There's little question that the University of Missouri system has gone through a lot of turmoil over the last few years. And University of Missouri System President Moon Choi has had to deal with a lot of the aftermath while making the system more attractive for prospective students. Choi joins me on a special edition of the Politically Speaking podcast to talk about the state of the university system and what's in store for the future. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, a candid conversation with the Show Me State's biggest political newsmakers. I'm Jason Merzenbaum. And I'm Joe Manis. That's Eric Reitens, Navy <laughs> SEALs running for governor, and I'm really, really glad to be on with you, Jason and Joe. I'm going to push back on these regulators. I'm doing this for the people. I was encouraged along the way, not just by my family, but by a lot of teachers and professors and knew when I was in college that I would run for office someday. We're very excited about the prospect of having some more free market solutions. Even though after the conversation, I still might not agree. We want our listeners to get a real sense of what drives these people. They're actually people with a story to tell. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. I'm flying solo today to take part in an interview that I'm quite excited for. Joining us from KBIA Studios in Columbia, we have as our special guest today... Moon Choi, president of the University of Missouri System. Thank you, Jason. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is a real thrill for me personally, because one of the last articles I wrote for the Columbia Missourian before I officially graduated from the University of Missouri-Columbia was a pretty in-depth interview of then UM System President Elson Floyd. So I feel like I'm coming full circle here. Uh, I really enjoyed talking with President Floyd, and I'm saddened that he's no longer with us, but it just shows that I'm very interested in the job that you do, and and it's not just because you're technically my boss, as, as, <laughs> as I'm a, U, a an UMSL employee. That's right. Uh, but also, you're supposed to do your job without any bias, so I appreciate that. Um, but it's very, uh, for me, it's very been very exciting uh, to lead this University of Missouri system since March 1st. And, uh, and there's some tremendous opportunities that we can pursue, but we had to first begin by gaining the, or regaining the trust of Missouri legislature, as well as citizens throughout the state of Missouri. You know, after the events of November 2015, where the University of Missouri here in Columbia really demonstrated a lack of leadership. But now we are coming back, and I believe we're coming back strong. So I'm very excited about the future at the UM system. And we'll get to to, to where the university system is with the legislature in a bit. But I, I, want, you, I want to start off with kind of a broader question. Sure. Like, what do you think are some of the biggest accomplishments and, and the biggest challenges that you've done in your in your roughly 1.5 years, I, I I I'm not very good at math, but I do know that you haven't been there exactly two years yet. But I know that there's been a lot that's happened since you got there. I'd, I'd like you to take like you to take your opportunity to to recap some of the the highs and lows. So let me uh, share with you some of the challenges that that we face as a UM system. I joined the university about 15 months ago, and I recognize fully the challenges that face the university. In March of 2017, we were facing significant cuts from the state uh, appropriation for our core funding, as well as the prospect of having a very significant downturn, especially at Mizzou, of the enrollment of first-time freshmen. And if we compare that first-time freshman numbers that arrived in uh, the fall of 2017 
with uh, the number of students who arrived in the fall of 2014, the year before the protest and the aftermath, there was a reduction of almost 2,000 freshman students. And so we had a number of challenges of which those two were the most prominent. And so it was important for me to first understand uh, how we arrived at that situation and to figure out together with the leadership as well as the faculty and staff, how we're going to be reversing those trends. So it was important for me to go throughout the state and meet with legislators and Missouri citizens in their uh, rotary clubs, in the chambers of commerce, to talk about the value that we bring as the University of Missouri system, the only public research university system in the state, to the citizens of Missouri. Uh, but it's really started off by my asking the question, what can we do better? And we heard a lot of great advice. And what we heard from the citizens and the legislators were uh, the common themes of being more transparent, being more accountable, and focusing on the mission of the university. And those words are heard loud and clear, and I share that with my colleagues so that we can develop a new plan going forward that had those themes of pursuing excellence in what we do, our mission, as well as being accountable and transparent to the citizens of Missouri. And those things have been very helpful. And uh, during that period of 15 months, we had to address a significant budget cut from the state as well as reallocations that were needed because of the uh, significant drop in enrollment. And in June of 2017, we had to implement almost $100 million across the, the entire system reallocation, uh, which resulted, unfortunately, in the, in the loss of approximately 550 jobs throughout the UM system. But it was uh, a painful period, especially for those who, uh, through no fault of their own, uh, lost their jobs. But we, it was something that had to be done for us to address the significant budget shortfall that we face. But I believe now, going forward, we are going to be a stronger university that focuses on the important mission, and to ask ourselves, how are we going to prioritize in this climate of declining state support and greater competition for students so that we can become stronger, so that when students apply to UMSO or UMKC or Mizzou or ST, they know why they're applying, that they know the excellent programs that are available, and that through their education and training that they can become productive citizens after they graduate. And so that was important for us to pursue. When you were talking both with legislators and with ordinary citizens, did they convey to you that especially the University of Missouri-Columbia had a, a public relations or image problem after the protests? Like I went to the University of Missouri-Columbia from 2002 to 2006, and there was racial tensions there that were addressed by the leadership very quickly and much mm -hmm. more quickly than what happened in 2015. Um, did you sense that, A, that, that those protests had affected the perception of the university, and B, did you get a sense that there wasn't as quick of a response as there should have been as, what, say, when Elson Floyd was UM system president back in the early 2000s? The sense, the strong sense that I received from my conversation uh, was that there were no significant um, concerns about the protests themselves. And let's all uh, 
think back to that period and reflect on what really happened. These were protests that were nonviolent. There was no property damage. No one was injured. And at a university that really embraces freedom of expression, we need to be able to discuss difficult concepts, difficult ideas, and address difficult situations. The concern that I heard from many of the legislators and the citizens really revolved around how the university addressed the protest and the lack of leadership that they believed existed at the university in the aftermath of the protest. And so that, that is where the accountability and leadership was really emphasized uh, for all of us. And I brought that message back to our senior team and continue, and I continue today, to talk about accountability and leadership and the fact that as a university, we're going to have situations that involve difficult conversations, but those conversations must be had because this is where we are training the next generation of students who need to go be uh, trained to be resilient as well as being educated so that they can be productive citizens after they leave the university. And one of the things that was, I think, kind of a source of tension is it's well established that the UM system president is not responsible for what happens like directly at campuses. That's the chancellor's responsibility. But as I kind of mentioned before, Elson Floyd, for example, often did interact with students and did sometimes opine on on campus issues. Um, even though, I, and I, I don't want to say that there, none of your job involves what happens on those campuses, because it does, because you oversee all of them. But did that situation provide you with some insight that the UM system president does need to personally get involved when not just the protest situation, but when there's something that is going wrong on a campus and you may need to provide some some leadership and and, and additional support for who whoever the chancellor is. I'd, I'd be interested in that in that particular point. Yes. Uh, Jason, I, I believe very strongly that there has to be proactive leadership from the president. And, uh, and I believe also very strongly that the buck does stop with the office of the president, that uh, working closely with the chancellors at each of the campus, we must be aware of situations that are developing so that we can address them in an appropriate and a timely manner. Uh, without having that kind of... Uh, um, uh, involvement, the president's office then becomes detached from the main job of really supporting the success of the students or success of the faculty and staff. And so having that close connection between the chancellor's office and the president's office so that we are, first of all, aware of situations that are developing so that we can address them in the most appropriate way, appropriate way possible. I do want to touch on the budget situation because as you kind of mentioned in the outset, uh, last year's last year's uh, higher education allocation was not the easiest thing for the University of Missouri system or any higher education institutions. I believe it was like a nine or ten percent cut for for many colleges and universities. This time around, legislators have made sure that there are no further cuts, even though the governor proposed some. Um, I'm I'm curious. I, it's obviously the budget situation is not finished yet, and it's possible that the governor could withhold money if he wants to. But what do you think it's going to mean for the university system if the budget that the legislature approves ends up 
being what actually comes to pass? Uh, I, I believe that will be devastating for the university. Last year, as I indicated, we had to have a $100 million reallocation. We still have the continuing um, residual effects of the reduction in the number of students who are coming to Mizzou, which can, I believe, will cost Mizzou approximately $150 to $160 million in lost tuition revenue. So combined with all of these uh, effects, that will have a devastating impact that will result in loss of faculty and staff, which would mean that with the number of students that are now arriving at the university, that would lead to higher student-to-faculty ratio, which does affect the graduation rate. And so I think it's very important for us to continue to advocate for public higher education, not, not just to say we need it because we are the public research university, but to share the value that we provide back to the university, back to the state, through workforce development and also economic development. Mm. And, and, and I, do, I do have to thank the mm -hmm. leadership of both the House and the Senate that uh, really saw the value of public higher education and supported higher education. And uh, they, their support was for all 13 universities that are part of the uh, public higher education system in Missouri. And that's what I was going to mention. Be, what, what you were saying is it would be devastating if the governor withheld money and did not go along with what the legislators did with higher education for this budget year. I just want to make sure that's what you were that's saying. Right. Okay. That's right. And um, I mean, why do you think legislators decided to take that that route this year? I mean, did they feel like last year's cuts really did provide um, not a particularly good uh, base for for some of the universities that may affect their districts? Or do you think that it was just not only you, but other university officials making sure they knew the importance of higher education? I think the, uh, the, latter, uh, the latter argument probably won the day. Uh, many leaders throughout the state have uh, visited with legislators to talk about uh, the impact that the budget cuts of last of 2017 had on their on the uh, on their university, um, Alan Marble, who is the president of Missouri Southern State University out in Joplin, uh, indicated very clearly that the accreditation was on the line because of the lack of support from the state and the inability to increase tuition to compensate for cuts that were coming from the state. That uh, that argument combined with once again, the value that we provide, and the value that we provide was really cemented with a recent economic impact study that we commissioned that demonstrated that the University of Missouri system contributes $5.4 billion to the Missouri economy each and every year. The level of support that we receive from the state is around $400 million. So that reflects a 13.5 times uh, the, uh, the investment when it comes to that return on investment. And so those kinds of arguments and the fact that we are graduating almost 10,000 students that contribute in their own way to the economy of Missouri, I think was, uh, was uh, very compelling. Do you think it makes your job more difficult to convince legislators not to make cuts to higher education when in bad budgetary times, it seems that things that are funded primarily with general revenue, including higher education institutions, are pretty much the only thing lawmakers can cut. 
Um, I'm not sure what the situation was, for example, in Connecticut and whether universities were funded with some direct funding source. But from talking with a lot of people, um, not only in Missouri, but out of Missouri, it seems that the reason higher education often bears the brunt of these budget cuts is because legislators often have no other choices because they're funded with general revenue. Is that kind of what you were finding or was it more of a philosophical belief that higher education just wasn't a big, as big of a priority as other things, especially last year? The legislative leaders that, uh, that I met really do believe in the value of public higher education. Many of them attended one of the universities that are part of our system, and they recognized uh, the, ch- the dramatic uh, impact that, that education at the UM system has had in their own per- uh, personal and professional lives. Uh, but they also recognize that the pot of uh, resources that that is available to support the various programs, including K through 12, to infrastructure, to the uh, to serving um, uh, Medicaid, really does leave very little for new initiatives or new investments. And in economic uh, uh, periods of economic distress, higher education in many states throughout the United States has been looked upon as a source that can absorb the cuts, partly because universities have the ability to grow their own revenue through increasing enrollment and increasing tuition. But the difficult position that University of Missouri system uh, has faced is the restrictions that were placed on our ability to increase tuition by Senate Bill 389. So by law, we can only increase tuition by CPI. Mm-hmm. But if there is a cut from the state of $50 million and we were able to increase tuition only by 2.1%, which was CPI for last year, the net tuition revenue that we generate throughout the UM system is only about $5 million. So that only makes up for, that only makes up for 10% of the cut that we had to absorb from the state. So it was, a, it was an imbalance that had to be addressed. Uh, but we recognize the difficult position that the uh, legislators are in when it comes to balancing the budget. And so that is why we want to become more efficient. Uh, but in order to become more efficient doesn't mean that we're going to do more with less. We're going to do things in a transformative way, in a way that we can deliver services such HR, such as, <clears throat> excuse me, HR, IT, or finance not in the traditional hierarchical way, but in a very collaborative way that leverages system resources with the campus resources. And if we can take the savings through that transformation and invest it in the core mission of teaching, research, and engagement, that will better serve our students and faculty and staff and the citizens of Missouri. And we're committed to doing that as part of our administrative review that is currently ongoing. And that was actually going to be my next question. You're an excellent segueer, by the way. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that I, I, I remember reading um, is that you have ma- emphasized making different services at the various university, universities in the system more efficient as a way to save a lot of money, but also I would assume trying to make some of the I don't want to say bureaucracy because that's kind of a pejorative, but the way these universities function just work better. I'd like you kind of to address that, how much money you think you could potentially save, and whether that could 
us make some of these cuts a little bit less painful. As you've already established, it's clear that the last year's cuts were painful in many respects. But I'd be interested to see how these efficiencies are 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 playing into the the state support question. So. As part of our administrative review that we uh, conducted with PwC and uh, all of the system leaders at the four system leaders at the four campuses and the main office here in Columbia, is to, as I stated, re-envision how we deliver IT, finance, and HR. And the way that it is currently being operated is not very efficient. And what we're finding out as part of our activity analysis of all of our staff members throughout the four campuses in the system, it indicates that many of our staff members are doing, are multitasking. They're expected to have a responsibility of over 10 to 11 different uh, functional areas that serve IT, HR, and finance. And so it really does stretch our staff members and really makes for, I guess, sometimes very stressful working environments. So part of this, we want to also not only gain the efficiencies by transforming the operation, but also have a more fulfilling work environment for our staff members. And so we rolled out this uh, concept to all of the senior leaders last month. Now we're going to be sharing that with all of our faculty and staff so that we can get their input in designing this process so that we can have transformation of our delivery, have more efficient use of our resources, and to have a more fulfilling career path for our staff members. And after those uh, uh, inputs are provided, then we will, be, we will begin the process of implementing them to, to better serve the university. And the savings that result will be pumped back into the campuses, uh, where we may have overcapacity in certain areas of our operation, we also know that we have underfunded some of our areas, including advising, counseling and mental health services, and other activities that we can provide that can increase student success that leads to higher graduation rate, which also reflects lower uh, cost of attendance when our students are able to graduate in a timely fashion. So we've talked a lot about the internal workings of the University of Missouri system, which is obviously very important. But I do want to spend the last few minutes talking about some of the projects and initiatives that you're trying to pursue that will be seen by everyday people to convince them to come to Mizzou or UMSL or, or, or the Rolla or Kansas City campuses. What, do you, what are you trying to do now to make sure that the University of Missouri system is an attractive option not only for people that live in Missouri, but people all over the country and all over the world. So as part of our plans going forward, all of our campus leaders are involved with their faculty and staff and students on developing a strategic plan uh, that is based on three primary Missouri compacts. The first is the Missouri Compact for Student Success. The second is on breakthrough research and creative works. And the third is on effective and meaningful engagement and outreach. And I want to share just a few ideas that many other campuses are pursuing. In student success, it's so important for us to ensure that students who arrive at our campuses are provided every opportunity to be challenged intellectually and to also graduate and graduate on time. And I'm sure that 
many parents feel that that's also a very important objective. And to do that, we have to provide the resources. Are we providing efficient or effective advising for our students? Are we providing the necessary financial aid so that students do not have to uh, work two jobs, part-time jobs, while they're attending the university? Are we providing the level of engagement beyond the classroom through undergraduate research, study abroad, or other types of community engagement to really engage our students to be persistent through their studies? Those are really important objectives for us to pursue. On the research, every one of our campuses is a public research university with Mizzou here in Columbia as an AAU institution. It's critical that we take that mission very seriously. So our teaching has to be research-inspired as well as our outreach. And we have faculty members working with our students doing innovative work at UMSO, some of the work that's going on at the Missouri Institute of Mental Health is tremendous in supporting our uh, uh, counseling and mental health issues that affect adolescents to young adults, as well as our veterans population. And some of the very innovative ways that they are pursuing artificial intelligence to be able to detect mental health issues and to address them early on in the process, I think is gonna be critical for populations in Missouri and throughout the United States. And so we need to continue to invest in programs that enable us to market, perhaps market's not the right word, to emphasize compelling reasons why students should pursue their degrees at the University of Missouri system campuses. And so as part of the strategic plan, each campus is asked to develop the characteristics as well as programs that will make them unique. Why come to UMSO if there's an opportunity for students to attend Southern Illinois University in Edwardsville? Well, I think it's that research focus that's going to be so critical that that emanates through the interactions that students have with the faculty members beyond the classroom. That is really a selling point for students who want to come to our university. Now, having said that, we're already seeing move, very positive movement here at Mizzou after three down years of enrollment declines, we are going to see an increase of 14% in freshman uh, attendance in the fall of 2018. Now that has a lot to do with the programs that have been implemented here on this campus by Chancellor Cartwright and his team involving providing the land-grant scholarship for Pell Grant recipients, as well as very innovative approaches to reduce the cost of education by using open source resources, reducing the cost of room and dining at this campus. So students will see next year a reduction in the cost of attendance, even though our tuition went up by $210. And so we're very excited about the opportunities that are ahead of us. I, I got to ask, do you think that there's any correlation between the increase in Mizzou enrollment and the sports teams being exciting to watch again. I know that may seem like yes. kind of a humorous thing, but we, but I do think it sometimes makes a difference for for some people when they choose, you know, a comparable state university if they're choosing between Mizzou, Indiana, Illinois. The basketball and football teams are good, and they have the majors that they want that could end up tipping the scales their way. I'd be interested in that, even though it kind of comes off as frivolous. 
No, it's not a frivolous question. I, I, I believe very strongly that the athletics program does serve as that front porch to the university. Uh, you may recall that I, I previously served as provost at the University of Connecticut. Yes. And when I think back to what applica- what the number of applications were about 15 years ago, they hovered around 20,000. But with the advent of the sports teams, both the men's and women's basketball, now their applications are nearing 40,000. And the applications are coming from all over the United States and all over the world. So we can have that same kind of impact. And having a very positive season that the coach coaches have had and Coach Martin and Coach Odom can only help. And this is a team exercise. It's a team exercise for the university where athletics program, the academic programs, the research and outreach, and effective engagement with Missouri all contribute to the positive perception of the university. And that's that's something that we're committed to continuing. And by the way, I want to share with you that um, UMSO has also seen a um, 12% increase in their freshman application, uh, freshman acceptances this year. And so the positive trends that we're seeing in Mizzou are continuing to happen at other campuses as well. Well, any final thoughts that you want to share before I let you go in what I'm sure is a, a busy Thursday for you? I just want to share that um, I really appreciate the support that we've received from Missouri citizens and the legislators, and uh, we will continue to be accountable, transparent, and and focus on achieving excellence and and uh, continue to do that for the benefit of Missouri citizens. So I'm happy to be here and I look forward to speaking with you again, Jason. Well, I, I want to just emphasize again how much I appreciate your time this morning for all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org, and go to kbia.org uh, as well. I, I'm not sure if you're on any social media, but how would people be able to get a hold of you if they want to to chat with you or or, or anybody from your, your office? So if they want to chat with me, my um, email is c-h-o-i-m-u-n at umsystem.edu, and I do read and answer all of my emails. And if they want to call me, they can call me at 573-424-4924. I think you made the right decision staying off of Twitter. I'm just saying that as somebody who's on Twitter. But it's it, you know, while it's fun, it is probably too much of a fire hose for you. It, it's also very time-consuming to be able to write all of those tweets and read about it and look at the likes. I, I got some important work to do here at the university. I, I think that's fair to say. Uh, thank you again for your time, and so long.